We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. Take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to Isaiah chapter 54. I'm going to try, try, I say try because I mean try, to conclude the message we began last Sunday about expanding our capacity by eliminating fear. You know, this is a huge topic and it delves in so many different areas and arenas of our lives that uh, sometimes we can just spend a long time on. Matter of fact, I was thinking this morning early, I could probably preach on this for a year and never cover the whole thing. Not going to do it, but we probably could. Isaiah chapter 54 kind of reminds me when we're talking about expanding our capacity by eliminating fear of the guy who early last year bought Super Bowl tickets for today's game. Box seats. He paid $3,000 for each ticket. He didn't realize when he bought them that the Super Bowl was going to be in the same day as his wedding. So if you're interested, he's looking for somebody to take his place. It's at the Bethel Baptist Church in Oklahoma City at 3 o'clock today. Her name's Denise. She's about 5'3", 120 pounds. Great cook. She'll be the one in the white dress. All right. I tried. My only reference to the Super Bowl is I have no interest. That's all I can tell you. Not a fan of the NFL, have no interest. Isaiah chapter 54, let's begin in verse 1. Sing, O barren, you who have not been born, break forth into singing and cry aloud. You have not labored with child, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Now listen to verse 2. Enlarge the place of your tent. Let them stretch out the curtains of your dwelling. Do not spare. I love it because that really is translated, think big. Think big. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you'll expand to the right and to the left. And your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed, neither be disgraced. That can also be interpreted, don't hold back. So two things I want you to get out of this passage. Number one, God says we need to think bigger than we usually think. We need to recognize that His plan is larger than we have so far taken into our hearts and into our lives. Do you understand how great God is? We sing this morning, great are you, Lord, but do we really get how great our God is? Do we understand that by His Word, He spoke everything that is into existence? Do we understand that it's by His Word that the worlds stay in their orbits, that the solar system stays in place? Do we understand the power of our mighty God? Kind of reminds me of the little girl who asked her mama, Mama, how did we get here as human beings? So she told her the story of creation. From the book of Genesis, she told her about Adam and Eve and how all of us came from Adam and Eve. That was a great story. She loved it. But a couple of days later, she asked her dad the same thing. Dad, how did we get here as human beings? So he told her the story of evolution. He told her that all of us came from monkeys and we evolved over a period of thousands of years to be the men and women we are today. She was scratching her head, went back to her mama. She said, Mama, I don't understand. You told me we came from Adam and Eve. Dad told me we came from monkeys. What's the deal? Mom said, well, I told you about my side of the family. He told you about his side of the family. Come on, we got to get a grip on how great our God is. 
that he is able, he is mighty, and he is saying to this church, it's time to think big. It's time to not look back and reminisce and hold fond and wish for those things that used to be. But it's time to look ahead, to move forward, to recognize that God is not back there. He's ahead of us. He's waiting for us to pursue Him. He's waiting for us to chase after Him. He's waiting for us to rush into the blessing, to grip the promise, and to believe that our God is yet able. Oh, come on, church. I believe God wants to fill this place up again. I believe God wants to bring people from the north, the south, the east, and the west. I believe He wants to save and heal and deliver and set men free. I believe He wants to prove Himself powerful one more time in the confines of this church as we take the message to a world that needs Him. Someone says, well, that's silly to do those things like extravaganza. All you're doing is giving away money. No, my friend, we're sowing seed. Every time we give a piece of candy to a kid, he's going to remember it was that church on Shera Road that showed me something good and fine and wonderful. Oh, come on. Think big. Get outside of yourselves. Think big. I love it every Wednesday when hundreds of people come here to the food pantry and they take free groceries home with them. And folks, it isn't miserly little stuff. Oh no, it's meat and vegetables and produce and milk and eggs and on and on and I can go. It's just like going to Publix, only it doesn't cost them a dime. Somebody needs to think big. They said, yeah, but they mess up the church. Would you get over yourself? That's why we have folks that can clean it. That's why the Woodlands come and help us on Wednesday afternoon and they clean the place up and they put it back together so it's ready for service on Wednesday night. Oh, come on, friend. It's time we turn loose of those things that are holding us back and we begin to move forward and think big. Allow God to birth a dream in our hearts and a dream in our lives that is greater than anything you and I could ever imagine. You see, when your back's to the wall and when fear is ahead of you, When the diagnosis is bad and the bank account is empty and your spouse is mad and your teens are in rebellion, when you don't know which way to turn, the direction is not back there, the direction is forward. You walk to your fear and you walk through your fear because God is in control and God is able. See, the problem is we don't want to do that. When we're encountering an enemy, we stop thinking big and we start thinking small. And we pull within ourselves and we say, this surely can't be of God. Do you understand that when God allows an obstacle to come into your path, he's doing it so that you can move through it. And by his power, you're going to grow. You're going to be strengthened. You're going to see mighty things. Your faith is going to expound. And you're going to say, I can't believe what God just did for me, but he just did it for me. Come on, when I hear Paul Ladd's testimony, the doctors told him there's nothing more we can do. Go home and die. The cancer's throughout all your body. But he stood right here a few weeks ago and he declared he had went back to the doctor when he turned to Dr. Jesus. And the diagnosis is the cancer's in remission. God's doing a work. Oh, come on, friend. That should never be an isolated incident. That should be an everyday occurrence in the church of Jesus Christ. Do not fear. Do not fear. You're not going to be embarrassed is what the scripture tells us. Don't hold back. Don't hold back. I'll never forget the couple that came to me years ago in a church I was pastoring. They had a problem with another couple in the church. 
So my first thought is, why are you talking to me? Your problem's not with me. Your problem's with them. Why are you talking to me? So they pour their heart out. They tell me everything that's went wrong, how horribly they have been treated, and I listen. Every now and then, I'm a nice guy. Every now and then, I will listen. They pour their heart out to me. I'll listen to their woes. And when they're done, I say, well, I think there's only one thing we can do. What's that? Well, we need to set a meeting with this other couple, and we need to resolve the issue. Because I knew them, and they weren't in any way difficult or hard to get along with. It was just a misunderstanding. And I'll never forget that woman said to her husband, I told you we shouldn't have came and talked to him because he's a confronter and he wants to confront this and we don't want to confront. How are you going to get through your fears and your problems if you don't face them head on? Come on, church. It's time to stop playing with this kindergarten theology and this emotionally distressed attitude that says you can't cause me to face my fears. I've come this morning to tell you until you step up, pull up your britches, act like a man or a woman and face those fears. They will control you. They will dominate you. Matter of fact, anytime we run from our fears, you know what happens? We'll build a little wall in our heart and in our mind. We build a little room. We build a house for them to live in. We wall off that place to the presence of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. And we say, no, you can't touch that because that's where my fear resides. No, you can't touch that because I had a bad experience and that's my memorial to it. We stop our spiritual growth. We stop our spiritual progress. We stop God's blessing in our life when we choose to hide from our fears rather than confront them. The Bible tells us again and again and again that we have reason to fear not. Fear not. Fear not. We need to understand the authority we have as believers in Jesus Christ. And if, in fact, you see, this is what all it comes down to. Do we believe the word or not? Is God true or is God a liar? Is this word accurate those are just the rambling, some, some crazy old men from thousands of years ago. That's what you have to determine. Because if God is true and every man is a liar, if his word is inspired and infallible and accurate for every generation, then why in the world do we hide in our fears? The Bible says the same power that raised Christ from the dead now dwells in your pastor. Now dwells in a few choice people. Now dwells only on that in that preacher on television. Now dwells only in the guy who can wave his hand over a crowd and they all fall down. No, it doesn't. It says that same power dwells in you. In you. And it's a power to overcome your fear. It's a power to set you free. It's a power that enables you to face those things you're afraid of. To face those things that keep you awake at night. To face those things that cause you consternation and worry and anxiety and stress. I decided some time ago I'm never going to fix the debt problem of this church. But I know the one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And if he wants to fix it, he's able to do it. Come on, folks. It's not my problem. It's his problem. If you're a child of the Most High God, you've got to recognize it's not my problem. It's his because he's my father. He's promised to care for me. He's promised to take care of me. He's promised to watch over me. He's promised to give his angels charge over me. Oh, somebody get it this morning. 
It's time to charge into those fears. Stop being so reticent. Stop being so bound up. If the devil can use fear to control you, you're defeated already. You have no, no hope whatsoever if you succumb to the fear the enemy puts in your heart and in your life. You see, following God means we accept God's authority over our lives. The prophet Isaiah said it's time to think big. He said it's time to not hold back. Raising $250,000, that's nothing for God. Doing it in six months, that's nothing for God. Need, need to hear me and understand our God is able if we face our fears, if we confront it, if we run to it. You know, last Sunday I gave you a whole list of fears and you raised your hand. I was amazed how many of you said, I'm afraid of snakes. I thought, you know, wouldn't it be fun this morning if I just brought in a snake? See how many would stay in their seat and how many would run out. We're not snake handlers. Don't get excited. Those folks are up in the hills of Georgia and Tennessee and West, West Virginia. They're not here. We don't do that kind of stuff. But I grew up in snake country in western Oklahoma. You say, why do you wear boots all the time so I don't get bit? I grew up in snake country. My cousins and I grew up hunting rattlesnakes, not with a gun, but with a catcher. And we caught hundreds of rattlesnakes when I was growing up. Then we'd take them and sell them. And we learned the trick to conquering our fear because let me tell you, every person, when they hear that rattle, has some fear go through their lives. That's only normal and natural. If you don't have that fear, you're crazy as a bed bug. I'm telling you for sure. You're crazy as a pet coon that was in my cousin's house. For sure. You hear that rattle begin to buzz, and you know danger is imminent, but you'll overcome the fear by taking that catcher and catching him around the neck and squeezing him till there's no more life in him and throwing him up on the bank. That's the way you catch a rattlesnake. That's the way you overcome your fear. Come on, folks. It's time to realize you overcome your fears by saying, devil, you will not limit me. You will not put me in a box. I'm not going to build a shrine to this fear. Somebody needs to hear this. It's time you stop talking about what happened yesterday. Maybe you were sick. Maybe you had a bad diagnosis. But it's time to begin to declare, my God is able. He is the way maker. He is the chain breaker. He is able to see me through and carry me through. When I can't walk, he carries me. When I don't know what to do, he speaks voice and guidance to me. He says, this is the way. Walk ye in it. Oh, somebody, it's time to overcome your fear. You've been nursing that past experience for years, sometimes decades, sometimes generations. It's time to break it this morning. It's time to say, I'm no longer going to be a captive to what's behind me. I said it last week. Let me say it again this week. Don't allow your past to hijack your future. God has something greater for you. My Bible tells me that I live under the blood of Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses me from all sin. And if that's the case, if God forgives and God forgets, then I've got news for you. I don't need to worry about what's back there. I need to plan for what's up here. It's time to think big. It's time to think big. Don't allow fear to hold you back. Well, you don't understand my story. I don't need to hear your story. I just want to know this. Has Jesus touched your life? 
Has he forgiven your sins? Has he cleansed you? Has he redeemed you? Has he bought you back? If so, then it's time to move forward. Then it's time to move forward. Well, you don't understand. God promised me something years ago and it's never came to pass. Well, welcome to the real world. There's a lot of us that are living in the hope of the promise. We're going to talk about that next week, expanding our capacity by living in the hope of the promise. We need to understand that the promises of God are still yea and amen to those that are in Christ Jesus. We need to remember that God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. If God said it, it will come to pass. But it may not be a way, the way or the time you want it to happen. You can read this story in Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 6. God had appeared to Abraham, and he told him, you need to leave the land of the Chaldees. Go to the land I'm going to show you, and I'm going to make you the father of a great nation. So in chapter 15, he appears to Abram again, and he renews the covenant. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, do not be afraid. Isn't it interesting that the first thing God addresses when it comes to his promise to Abram is fear? He didn't address the promise. He addressed what was happening in Abram's life. You need to hear it this morning because most of the time when we're waiting on a promise to be fulfilled or to come to pass, we often turn to fear. What if it doesn't happen? What if what I heard wasn't what I heard? What if I ate too many beans last night and that wasn't from God, that was just from me? What if, what if, what if? And fear begins to take root in our lives. He said to Abram, don't be afraid. And then I love this next phrase, I am your shield. Oh, somebody needs to get that in their spirit. I am your shield. I am your shield. God knew exactly where Abram was at. Years had passed by this time and the promise hadn't been fulfilled. He and Sarah were still childless. And God said, don't fear, I've got this. Don't fear, I'm your shield. Don't fear, I'm your protector. Don't fear, I'm the promise maker. You know what he's saying? He's saying, Abram, it's not about you. It's not about your wife. It's about God being true to his word. Somebody needs to get this in their spirit this morning. It's not about you. You see, you've been under some real bad teaching that said you're not seeing the promises of God because of something you have done. Can I tell you, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. You need to understand the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He comes to lie and to condemn. But my God comes to deliver, to set you free, to speak hope and a promise to give you future and you can't become weary in waiting but you stand in the promise believing that what God had promised he is able also to perform and when Yvonne and I came here three years ago I had a promise in my heart and it's been an interesting three years I haven't seen it happen yet because God said I'm going to fill this place up well in my history as a pastor it has never taken three years I took three churches before, all of them were down, and within a matter of a year, they were busting. 
exploding, growing. So I come here and I'm thinking the same thing's going to happen and it hasn't. And God said, don't fear. My word is still true. There's still tens of thousands who don't know me, who need to know there is a Savior who loves them, gave himself for them, died on the cross and the third day rose again from the dead and only he can transform a life. Oh, come on, folks. If we can get it into our spirit, we shouldn't be afraid. We need to think big. We shouldn't hold back, but press on, move forward into what God has for you and me. First thing he said to Abram was, do not be afraid. I am your shield, your very great reward. Now, was it logical for Abram to be afraid? Absolutely. There were actually at least four reasons why he should know fear. Number one, he was too old. I'm telling you straight out, that dude was old. He was way too old to have kids. His wife was way too old to bear a child. They were too old. Their bodies were dead when it came to reproduction. Many years, number two, many years had passed since the promise was given. Number three, why should he fear? Because he had never seen anything like this before. Well, come on, let's let's stop there for just a moment. When God speaks something in your heart and in your life, He doesn't do it in the context of, I've done this for someone else. It may seem out of the realm of possibility. Maybe you've never seen it or experienced it before. But I've come to tell you, we serve the God of the impossible. We serve the God who makes all things new. We serve the God who has a plan for me and for you. And if we will press in and believe the promise, what we've never seen, we will see. As we rebuke fear and move in faith. The fourth reason is because his wife doubted also. Oh yeah, the angel appeared to Abraham. They were standing out by the fire talking. Sarah was in the tent listening. And when the angel said, you're going to have a son, Sarah is going to bear a son. You know what she was doing? She was snickering. The King James says she laughed. It was sarcasm. It was disbelief. It was complete lack of faith. That's never going to happen. I'm way too old. It's not going to occur. I've come to tell you, if you'll get past your fear, you'll encounter a God who can do things you never dreamed of in your heart and in your life. He'll use you in ways you've never imagined if you can move past your fear. When you think there is no reason to believe, then believe. When you think there's no reason to hope, then hope. When you think there's no reason to continue on, continue on. Because Abraham, even though he was an old man and his body was dead, continued to believe God. Romans 4, you got to turn there and hear these scriptures. Beginning in verse 16. Therefore, it is a faith that it might be according to grace. I was going to tell you this later, but I'll tell you now. Aren't you glad you don't live under the law, but under grace? Aren't you glad? You know, I was talking about snakes earlier in Numbers 21. The Israelites on the journey to the promised land being delivered out of Egypt begin to gripe and grumble and complain. They said, man, the journey's too hard. The food is bad. They're eating manna from heaven. Are you kidding me? The food is bad. There's never enough water. We're tired of packing and unpacking. Send us back to Egypt. What did God do? He sent poisonous snakes among them. They started biting them. They started dying. 
And they started crying out to God, help us. We repent of our disbelief and our complaining. And you know what God said to Moses? He said, make a brass snake, set on a pole. If they look at that snake, they'll be healed. Oh, I begin to think about that. And I begin to realize that that picture is Jesus Christ who hung on a tree for you and me. And every time we look at him, every time we call on his name, there is healing. There is forgiveness. There is deliverance. There is hope. He takes us beyond the bad times to the promise of a good time when we put our faith in him. And I begin to think, you know, in the Old Testament, they murmured, griped, and complained, and they got the curse of the law. But in the New Testament, God sees our frailties. God knows we're not perfect. And he sent his son to be the propitiation. Don't you love that King James word? The sacrifice, the substitute, the completion for the sin of every man. So that when we look upon him and call upon his name, we are delivered from the curse of sin. And we are set free through the power of grace to live for him. I'm thankful this morning that I don't live under the law, but I live under grace. I'm here to tell you, I'd have to have tall boots if I lived under the law. I'd have snakes around me all the time. I know I'm a party of one with this one. Because none of you never gripe, gumble, and complain. You are so perfect. That's what I love about this church. No murmurers, no gripers, no complainers. It's only me. Oh, get a life. It's you too. You better be thankful you don't live under the law but under grace. Because you'd be wearing big boots too trying to avoid those snakes. Come on, it's time for you and I to recognize God has done something for us through the gift of His Son, Jesus Christ. And that gift defeats all fear, defeats all sin, defeats every plan of the enemy. And I can stand before you today and I can say even when I do gripe and grumble and complain, there is a God who still loves me, still forgives me, still cleanses me, doesn't break our relationship because of my bad attitude, but He pours some more grace. He pours some more love. He pours some more mercy into my heart and into my life. Talking about Abraham, aren't we? Romans 4. He goes on to say, he served the God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Now listen to verse 18. Who contrary to hope, in hope, believed. Made no sense for Abram to believe the promise of God. Years had passed, but he chose to believe. He chose to believe because God appeared to him in a vision and he said, Don't fear, I'm your shield. I'm your protector. I've got you covered. I'm going to walk you into the promise. I'm going to walk you through your fear. I'm going to surround you, and you're not going to be overcome. Oh, when my heart is overwhelmed, what did David say? Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Take me to the authority. Verse 18, who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And I like verse 19, and being not weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old. Now, some of us need to hear that because we think we're too old to be of any use to God. I've got news for you. As long as there's life in your body, there's a purpose for your being. As long as there's breath in your lungs, God has a plan for your life. 
There is no retirement in the kingdom of God. You may retire from your secular occupation, but when you do, that frees up 40 hours a week for you to give to God to build his kingdom. Come on, somebody. Being not weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. She was 75. Look at verse 20. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced. I like the King James that says being fully persuaded. Fully persuaded. He bought it lock, stock, and barrel. He bought into God's promise. He was fully persuaded, fully convinced that what God had promised, he was able to perform. And because of that, it's counted to him as righteousness. Oh, when you read those scriptures, you need to know you're talking about a man just like me and you. Abraham was far from perfect. Matter of fact, in that journey from Ur to the land of promise, they passed through Egypt. The king of Egypt saw his wife, Sarah, who was quite a hottie. And he said, hey, I want that one to be my wife. And Abraham lied. He didn't say she's my wife. He said she's my sister because he was afraid. And he caused bad things to happen and bad things to occur. He was not a perfect guy. He was failure prone. But listen to what the Bible says. Because he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, he was fully convinced that what God had promised he was able to perform, it was accounted to him as righteousness. Oh, come on, folks. we got to get that in our spirit. We've got to understand that when God promises, God performs. God brings it to pass. He said to Abraham in Genesis 15, 1, I'm your shield. Now think of a battlefield of old. Think of those guys with those big old shields that were body length. When the arrows begin to fly, they could hunker behind those shields and those arrows weren't going to touch them. When the swords and the spears begin to come, they could throw up that shield and ward off those blows. What did Paul say to us in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 16? Take up the shield of faith wherewith you quench all the fiery darts of the enemy. You know that word fiery in the Greek also means anger. It means grief. It means lust. You know what it's saying? It's saying every emotion that's contrary to the power of God in your life, the shield of faith is going to stop when you stand in Him. Oh, come on, I told you last week when we allow fear to dominate our lives, it breeds within us doubt. Doubt always brings a harvest of frustration and anger. Paul said the shield of faith quenches all the fiery darts of the enemy. It quenches anger. It quenches frustration. It quenches doubt. It quenches unbelief. It quenches grief. Oh, come on, it's time to say, I know who my Redeemer is. And I believe that if I will allow Him first place in my life, His Word will be true over me. Quench those fiery darts with the shield of faith. That means two things very specifically. When God said to Abram, I am your shield, it means he protects us in times of danger and he rescues us in times of doubt. You know that Abram, at the suggestion of his wife Sarah, chose a different plan when Isaac wasn't conceived over a period of years. She said, take my handmaiden Haggai. Have a child by her and you'll have an heir. That was not God's plan. 
God's plan was that Sarah would bear the son of promise, not Haggai. That the woman of the house, the wife of Abraham, would bear the seed that would bless all generations, not her servant and her handmaid. That was not God's plan. Remember when we started this series, we talked about the fact we've got to come to the place where there is no plan B. Abraham and Sarah found a plan B. But when you read that story, it caused them a lot of heartache, a lot of pain, a lot of frustration, a lot of anger, a lot of jealousy. Listen, when we try to improve on what God has promised, we always mess it up. But if we will stand firm, and if we will say, my God promised it, until it comes true, He is my shield, my defender. Oh, you need to hear that this morning because when you're talking about the promises of God in and over your life and you begin to declare what God has said for you, there will be those who come against you. There will be those who tell you that's not true. There will be those who try to undermine your faith and derail the promise of God. But in that moment, you stand with the shield of faith and you quench that fiery dart of the evil one and you say, it doesn't matter what you declare. I've heard the word of God and the word of God is sure and steadfast and what God promised he will perform got to stand in the promise of God knowing you are covered by that shield I am your shield see if God's our shield then we have a firm confidence in the fact that nothing I face is outside of the realm of his knowledge and grace if I have a bad diagnosis God already is going to give me the strength to walk through it God's already provided the means of healing when I avail myself to it. If I lose my job, he's still Jehovah Jireh, my provider. If I lose my peace, he is still Jehovah Shalom, the Lord who speaks peace to me. Oh, come on, folks. We need to understand when he's our shield, he enables us to continue walking toward the promise, even in the face of adversity. Even in the face of the enemy, even in the face of attack, we just keep marching toward the promise of God because He is our shield. Knowing this doesn't make us immune from the normal problems of life. As long as you and I are bound in these fleshly bodies and walking in shoe leather and breathing the atmosphere of this, of this earth, we're going to have some issues. We're going to have some challenges. We're going to have some problems. You see, the, the church of the 80s and the 90s and even yet today in many places have convinced people that if you come to God, your life is smooth sailing. You'll never have another issue. You'll never have another problem. I'd just like to slap them up back to next year, wouldn't you? That is so stupid. Show me that in the Scripture. It just is not there. But it says, the trying of your faith worketh patience, and let patience have her perfect work. We need to understand problems are normal to humanity. They're going to occur. The greatest issue we will ever face is death. That's our greatest enemy. But it's interesting to me that the Apostle Paul chose to address even that in 1 Corinthians 15, 54 and 55, when he said, death is swallowed up in victory. 
Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? The sting of sin is the law and the strength of the law. I misquoted that. Let me get it right. The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But he doesn't end it there. He goes on to say, but thanks be to God who always gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The greatest enemy we will ever face has already been defeated. I may have to pass through the portal of death, but I do it without fear. Oh, when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Thy rod and thy staff are with me. Oh, you made me lie down in green pastures. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over and surely goodness and mercy are going to follow me all the days of my life. Why? Because I'm going to pursue the promise. I'm going to walk through the fear. I'm going to take up the shield of faith. And I'm going to call upon the God who's able. I'm going to call upon the God who is able to deliver me and bring me through. We're ending right there. There's a whole lot more. You can buy the notes. How about that? God is able to deliver you. Take you through. Make you an overcomer through the blood of the Lamb. When you determine, I'm going to let him be my shield. I'm going to think big. I'm not going to hold back anymore. I'm going to pursue him. And when you choose to do that, yes, there is a battle to fight. But the assurance is, you've already won the victory. Just allow that shield of faith to quench every fiery dart. The darts of frustration, the darts of doubt, the darts of anger, the darts of self-doubt, the darts of lust and grief. Let him quench every one of those with the shield of faith and bring you through to victory. Stand with me in this room across this place in just a moment. Tom's going to sing that great new course, Chain Breaker. I want you to hear the words of this course. I want it to get into your spirit, and I want it to revolutionize your life. But before he begins to sing, would you bow your heads with me right now? You're in this room today. And if you were to die in the next moment, never having accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you wouldn't be in Him with, with Him in heaven. And today you don't want that to happen. You want change to occur in your life. You want God to touch you, to set you free. You want God to save you, to deliver you, to change your life. Well, I've come to tell you this morning, we serve the God who is able. It doesn't matter the road you've walked. It doesn't matter the sins you've committed. It doesn't matter the life you've lived. All that matters is that you reach out to the one who loved you and gave himself for you. You're in this room this morning. I'm talking directly to you. There's something going on that you're not accustomed to, not familiar with, deep inside your chest. That's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. He's knocking this morning. He's asking for entrance into your heart and into your life. He's asking for the opportunity to change you and transform you. That's you. I'm talking to you today, right where you stand. Will you slip up your hand and say, that's me, Pastor. I need Jesus to come into my life today and transform me. I want him to forgive me, to change me. As I wait a moment, slip that hand up and hold it high. As I wait a moment, front to back, the center section in the risers, I want Jesus to change my life.
Tom began to sing. He's the chain breaker. In just a moment, as she begins to sing this song, as the Spirit of God draws you, if there's something in your life that needs to be broken, whether it's fear or doubt or your religious traditions, no matter what it may be, something needs to be broken in your life so that you can move forward, so that you can think big, so that you can stop holding back. Something needs to be broken. As they begin to sing, I want you to step out and come, and we're going to pray for you in just a moment. Sing it out. He's my chain breaker. Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church, we invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida. A multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com. <laughs> 